The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Station. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back to the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. My name, by the way, is Andrew Gross, if you didn't know. Uh, Now, there was, uh, as you will recall, a political firestorm over reforms um, last year that escalated to the point where Finance Minister Bill Morneau's job seemed to be in danger. It was over a small business tax uh, and tax in general, and uh, small businesses were reported to be braced for the final version of the controversial tax reforms in this budget. Now, this uh, is all above my pay grade, and that's why we reached out to BDO Canada, and we're joined now by David Elric, a partner at BDO Canada. David, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Uh, Listen, uh, as I say, taxes, my goodness, something I think about uh, once a year, usually around April 15th, uh, but that uh, perhaps you could take a look at uh, this budget with me and uh, tell me, did we put the fire out when it comes to small business, or did we create a new one? Well, I think the, uh, they learned their lesson from the last time. Um, they came out with those rules in, in July and uh, didn't, didn't fully appreciate the, the impact of all those things. So there was a lot of, a lot of pushback and then, uh, then a lot of kind of uh, backpedaling. So I think, I think maybe they, they learned uh, a little bit from that. So they're a little more careful uh, with this budget. Um, all they all they really did is, is clarify some of the uh, the stuff they had talked about previously. So let's back up and uh, put a little background to this for our listeners. So back in July, when the minister said that there was a a three part plan for taxes, what was that plan, and what was the pushback at the time? Yeah, there was a number of parts to it. There was um, a tax on on split income, and what that that piece was. Um, there's different different ways depending on who owns the shares of a company. Different people can get dividends, and so people would st- would structure it so that you know different family members could get dividends from the company. So again, you might have a husband and wife both earning dividends, and they felt there was uh, some stuff going on there that was was unfair. So they had they brought in some rules on that, and and those rules went through. Um, they also brought in some other rules on on capital gains. How those are treated where you have related parties. So again, um, parents and children selling to each other. And that one was a, a particularly troublesome one because uh, it really it it caused huge problems trying to pass a, a business along to uh, to your children. So whether it's a, a farm or a, a corporation of some type, you're trying to pass on to your uh, your kids. It made it uh, extremely difficult and, and a much higher tax rate to, to pass it on to your kids than to sell to to someone else, a stranger, which is which didn't make any sense. And then there was this uh, matter of passive investment income. And, and, you know, as I was telling our listeners at the top of this show, I've done so much reading today about passive investment income. Um, is it? Can I describe it as uh, a business um, that takes that income and rather than reinvesting it in their business, they invest it in some long-term safe investment and therefore uh, shield it from taxes? Is that basically what it is? Mm, it's it's not shielding so much, but it's it's yeah, it's essentially the extra income that you don't need to reinvest in your business. There may not be you know may not be new equipment or other things you need to buy, 
or again, you want to build up a nest egg for your retirement. So it's just this excess amount, and and you could invest it in mutual funds, or it could be in GICs, anything like that. And that that part is considered passive income. And what was uh, what has changed with regard to passive income as a result of this budget? Yeah. So the well, the, in July 18th, what they proposed with passive income was massively uh, complex and uh, you know, frankly, unworkable. Uh, so they got a lot of feedback from the community. And now they've come up and they've clarified in the budget here how they'll be how they'll be treating that passive income. And they came up with a a simpler system. So definitely this one is is workable. I think it may generate some some issues as well too. But it's much more workable. And essentially what they've said now is they'll reduce your small business and to the extent you have a certain amount of passive income in your company. So you know, the, if you're a small business, the first $500,000, you get taxed at a much lower tax rate it's to encourage small businesses to, to grow and um, uh, increase. So what they've said now is if you build up too much passive income in that company, they'll take that benefit away from you. I see. So wouldn't the idea behind the budget be when it comes to taxes, and again, as I said off the top of this conversation, taxes are way above my pay grade, but wouldn't the idea of a budget be to have small business reinvest in their small business or encourage that reinvestment through whatever tax concessions in order to grow businesses, in order to grow the economy? You would hope. Um, I mean, one thing we had hoped to see in the budget was, uh, although we weren't totally expecting it, was uh, some type of response to to what's going down in uh, down in the states. Trump had a bunch of a bunch of tax cuts that came in uh, right at the end of the year, right in December. They they quickly passed through a bunch of legislation that led to tax cuts down there. And you know, our concern up here is that it's really flipped the competitive landscape of of Canada versus U.S. Uh, for for companies. Um, so concerned about the the job situation and making Canadian companies competitive with the U.S. And there wasn't anything like that to encourage uh, investment and things like that. Uh, again, for example, one of the things the U.S. did is they uh, they allow you to write off new equipment all in one year. So if you buy a you know hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment, you can deduct that hundred thousand dollars all in the first year instead of over multiple years to encourage people to to reinvest. So we would I would have hoped for something similar like that uh, in the budget, but there wasn't there wasn't anything along those lines. You had hoped for it, but were you expecting it? Because the minister had said in advance of tabling this budget that he wasn't going to, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing his words, he wasn't going to have a knee-jerk reaction to what was going on in the United States, that he was going to lay the framework for long-term stability in businesses planning. Do you think he accomplished that? Um, no, I don't. I don't know that he he did. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting. It was more a more a hope than an expectation because I had seen those same comments from uh, from the minister. And with regard to personal income tax, was there anything in this budget? And again, as I told our previous guest, and as I'm sure I'll tell our next guest, all of us are in the same boat of a tabled budget just minutes ago, basically now or an hour ago, and we've all had to try and read through it as quickly as we can and try and pulled the meat off the bones, but was there anything that you spotted with regard to personal income tax? There was a, yeah, a number of things, although nothing nothing revolutionary. What I would say about the budget, they just, it's a lot of uh, tweaks and modifications to existing programs. Uh, so a couple of things, one was um, um, parental uh, benefits. Uh, so they give you, they, this is part of, um, they want gender equality as one of the, the concerns. And one of the ways they they are feeling they could encourage that is by parents 
sharing the time off. So instead of, uh, again, traditionally the, the wife staying home with the, the new child, they want to encourage uh, fathers to also stay home with the child. So now they've, they've bumped it up. They'll give you an extra five weeks, but as long as, as, long as you're sharing the, um, the time off. So you can't, you can't get, four, you know, it used to be 35 weeks. You can't get 40 weeks if it's all one person that takes it. Uh, the second person has to to take that minimum of five weeks. So it's kind of a they call it a use it or or lose it. So if you don't, the second person doesn't use that five weeks, it's it's gone. Hmm. And then there was some uh, some uh, in this budget some uh, talk of uh, working income tax benefit low income earners. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you able to look at that and and what's that about? Yeah. So again, the. But it's really just a, a bit of an improvement to, uh, to an existing program. There used to be the working income tax benefit, um, but they wanted, they've, they've rebranded it as the Canada workers benefit. And, and really, it's similar to the, the previous system, uh, just a little more generous. So for low-income workers, uh, they can get up to 170 bucks a month, uh, so around $1,400 a year. That just uh, you know additional money that can help with groceries, etc. Mm-hmm. And there were some items that uh, were thought to be uh, noticeable by their absence uh, going into this budget. That there was some small quirky little tax benefits. I'm I'm trying to think what they were. There was one for you know firemen and first responders to buy uniforms and and things like that. Did any of those get addressed, dropped, or or changed? Not that I noticed. Um, again, like like you, it's a it was a 300 page document yeah. that's going through pretty fast. So uh, I I didn't notice being uh, being impacted, but it, it could have been. Excellent stuff. Uh, this is David Elric. I've been talking to a partner at uh, BDO Canada. How do does your company keep up with these things? Because here we are, a budget being dropped in February. A lot of people have already done their taxes. Uh, how does a company like yours keep up with these tax changes? Uh, basically, by doing it full time and uh, and sharing information with each other. So, I mean, uh, again, since it's my job, I I have the luxury of spending a lot of time reading through. I guess I would consider a luxury. Maybe other people wouldn't have the luxury of reading through all this <laughs> stuff and spending a lot of time learning it. Um, so that that's basically how we do it. Uh, David, before I let you go, was there anything glaring uh, once again by its inclusion or its absence in this budget, as far as you're concerned? Um, no, nothing. Nothing else. Um, it was, I think, overall a fairly, fairly tame budget. So, yeah, and that's what we've been calling it uh, even before it was tabled. That it was sort of a tweaking type budget, not one that we expected to see any kind of major announcement in, but one that maybe took care of a few, uh, you know, dotted a few eyes and crossed a few T's, and uh, more of a social budget than an economic one. Yeah, exactly. Excellent stuff, uh, David Elric. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks so much for uh, sharing it with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Our continuing coverage of the 2018 federal budget. I want to thank my guests we've had so far on the show, Dr. Trevor Toome, an assistant professor of economics at the U of C, and David Elric, a partner at BDO Canada. So just review in a little more detail a couple of things that came down in the budget. For those of you who have not been tuned in since the beginning of the show, uh, one of the uh, answers that most people want from a budget, uh, regardless of what level of government is tabling the budget, is uh, will we balance the books? And again, you'll recall in the back of 2015, the Liberal government, uh, then uh, candidate uh, Justin Trudeau, had said that he would balance our books federally 
by next year, uh, 2019. Uh, but that is not going to happen. So with this budget that was tabled today, uh, it will channel extra dollars into new spending. Uh, however, it will not address the uh, deficit. Uh, the extra money... Uh, Sorry, compared to the fall, the government will have about $19.8 billion in additional cash to play with over the next six years. So that's an average of $3.3 billion per year in fiscal elbow room. The extra money coming from a number of sources. Uh, but the government is projecting deficits roughly in line with its October projections. The new outlook now shows an $18.1 billion shortfall for 2018-2019, and that's expected to gradually shrink to $12.3 billion in 2022-23, including annual $3 billion cushions to offset risk. You'll recall as well that a promise had been made by the federal government and not, not to exceed $10 billion in um, in deficit, but that, of course, uh, has not come to fruition. Uh, I want to talk again about this item. It's going to be a big one. Now, it's talked about in the budget, but there's no money set aside for it yet. So what the budget did today was set up the groundwork for Pharmacare. So the Liberals will appoint a group of advisors to explore options for a national program to cover the cost of prescription drugs. And uh, next year, we'll see former Ontario Health Minister Eric Hoskins head up an advisory council to come up with options on how to create national pharmacare. And that's a program that the parliamentary budget watchdog has warned could cost us taxpayers $19 billion a year. So what's happened now is the council gives the government a year to study the idea, which has been a key talking point, by the way, for NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, fueling speculation that the Liberals will plan to make Pharmacare a centerpiece of its 2019 election campaign. Um, now, in the meantime, the Liberals say they won't apply new sales tax to any cannabis-based pharmaceutical products that could be obtained with a prescription, nor will taxes be applied to oils that contain low amounts of THC, the primary psychoactive uh, active element in marijuana. They're used by children with certain medical conditions. Now, as you can expect, um, reaction to the budget has uh, been pouring in from leaders of other parties. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer saying Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has broken his promise to keep deficit spending under control. Today's federal budget includes $21.5 billion in new spending on a variety of initiatives, including steps to get more women working. But it comes with a projected $18.1 billion deficit for fiscal 2018 and no plan to balance the books until at least 2023. Scheer says that breaks a promise to eliminate the red ink by 2019 without much to show for it. Never has a politician boasted so loudly and spent so much to achieve so little. There you go. The federal liberals saying they hope to drive economic growth in Canada largely by getting more women working and closing the gender wage gap. All right. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says the federal budget falls short in implementing key measures to benefit Canadians, including a national drug plan. The budget says former Ontario Health Minister Eric Hoskins will lead an advisory council on creating a national pharmacare program, but it provides no timeline or any funding for such a program. Singh went on to say that it won't help Canadians who can't afford to pay for their prescription drugs. What the government's proposing is not a plan. This is a fantasy. We don't see even a, a single dollar of investment in a 
plan to implement Farmer Care. Now, the council has a year to study the idea, as I mentioned just a moment ago, which is fueling speculation again that the Liberals plan to make PharmaCare a centerpiece of their 2019 election campaign. So there you go. A little... Uh insight into what the uh, the big issue will be in the next federal election and that will follow of course the next federal budget so as we've been saying all afternoon and as our guests have uh, told us this was a budget to sort of link the two budgets the the budget that uh, outlined how the money was going to be spent and that came out last year and the budget next year which will indicate how the money will be spent and what promises will be made by the federal government um, you know, to garner the approval of Canadians leading into another election. So this one was a bit of a social budget, a fine-tuning, if you will, a plugging a few holes, crossing a few T's, and dotting a few I's. The the emphasis placed upon gender equality, um, Indigenous uh, peoples, and items, as I say, that aren't... There's no earth-shattering news in this particular budget. We're going to uh, take a break in just a moment for news headlines. We'll continue the conversation about the budget when we're joined after 3.30 by Dwayne Bratt, one of my favorite guests. He's a Mount Royal political science professor, and I'm going to ask him about his overall reaction to the budget and take a look at some of the points that we thought would be included in the budget that perhaps were not and some of the items uh, that possibly came as a surprise to us in this budget. As always, you feel free, please, to participate in the conversation you can do so by texting 630 630 and sometime in the next half hour i'm going to try and find time to open up the phone lines at 496-0063 to get your reaction as well the 630 chad afternoon news with jaylen nye and andrew gross weekdays at two on 630 chad